Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome along to episode 89 of the Sofa Manager Scottish Football Podcast. And on this week's show, we have a jam-packed feature special. First off, we'll be discussing Snowflake Football and the development of the non-contact game. After some incidents, some diving, particularly on the continent, and a particular uh, Livingston striker who upset myself, Paul, at the weekend. Might be related to the kit that's just over my shoulder for the viewers. Uh, we will also be talking about uh, the sort of twin paradox. Could twins be switching places in Scottish football? And I think there was a matter of a few Scottish Cup games uh, one minor insignificant one uh, that took place on uh, Sunday, which was of course a Berninstrand rush. So we'll we'll go into great detail about that. Um, and as well, back for the second week in a row, it is the eagerly awaited cage match. Isn't that right, baby Jonathan? Yes. Yes, one for that. Good. We uh, are going to face off some of the elite players in Europe. Um, who might well actually get the chance to face off on a more regular basis, um, which we might get to as well. Anyway, joining me this week, it is the most infamous, infamous Bruni in Scottish football, John Brown, hello. Hello Paul, how are we? I'm good, are you looking forward to the podcast this week? Yes, very much. Yes, uh, did you catch the, the Falkirk score at the weekend? Yeah, no, I'm glad I missed it. That's... <laughs> Dear, that might also feature um, as well. And back for, I think, the first first virtual appearance it is Baby Bairn himself it is Andrew hello Andrew, Andrew. Uh, did you catch the Falkirk game this weekend yes I did ah, do you have some unique and exciting opinions on that uh, yes we don't have a midfield we have a defence we have an attack which we don't use okay well <laughs> we look forward to hearing about that and talk about the m and and myself uh, the man who likes to play music for all the town and that's why they call me Paul Minstrel Menzies there we go. Anyway, let's get cracked straight on with the episode, shall we? Good. Alright, first things first this week. Um, well, what do we always talk about at the start of podcast, John? Uh, how you're doing? <laughs> uh, no, nobody cares about that. Was the, Na- was the NASCAR on this week is the most important question. Was it? <laughs> I don't know, oh, we'll find out. Uh, well, we'll find out at half past midnight tonight, because that's when it starts. Not oh, great, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll start off this week uh, with the first topic I wanted to dis- discuss was snowflake football. I think we've seen certainly the rise of a uh, much softer football in recent times, and this has been brought to my attention by two things. One was a very soft penalty given against Aberdeen and their victorious Scottish Cup fixture of the weekends. J.I. Manuel Thomas appeared to be scuffed um, by an innocently flailing foot, giving us a penalty. Not happy with that. Also, uh, on these Match of the Day podcasts uh, in the last few days, uh, Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer were lambasting uh, Vinnie Jones for being an uncultured footballer. I thought to myself, how dare you? That man's earned more in fantastic films such as Gone in 60 Seconds and... Mean Machine. Mean, mean machine. machine. Oh, don't mention Mean Machine, Andrew. No. <laughs> um, John will be far it's too. It's a fantastic We're... film. <laughs> there might be a review due down the line. Who knows? I got halfway through it and gave up. Um, but I thought, you know... football fan as well, right? You do not need to be a football fan to, like, appreciate Mean Machine. You actually... You're not a movie fan if you appreciate Mean Machine, that's for sure. It's a rip-off uh, of Longest Yard, or the Longest Yard's a rip-off of that. It's one of them. 
Don't know which one. It goes further back. I think there's like a previous film that this is a rip off as well. And then you could probably tie it back into um, the one that Sylvester Stallone and Michael Caine Escape to Victory. I think um, kind of follows along the same lines as well. So. I think there was an American football one first, which I think was called Mean Machine. I'm not sure. And then there was the soccer, <clears throat> sorry, football variant. And then there was the third reiteration with Adam Sandler, which came after the Vinnie Jones, Jason Statham, things like that. What's the watch? Yeah, anyway, they showed a Vinnie Jones tackle about two minutes into a Liverpool game, and it was sensational. Like, he just completely wiped the boy out, got a yellow card in what would have been received three red cards in one go um, in the modern game. So, do we think football is becoming too soft? And is the day of the hard man gone? Discuss. Yes. Go on. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Yeah. Okay. Next. What? Go. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. I mean, football as a, a sport has completely changed to what it was to even 10, 15 years ago. Um, the a lot of people kind of claim it's kind of obviously been imported from the the continent or into kind of South America. That's their style of play, um, and it's been adopted by. British players, I I think it's just an, an evolution of the sport. I don't think it's necessarily been an import or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I think it's slowly becoming effectively a non-contact sport or a sport where it has to be immaculately timed because they're so scared of injuries, mm-hmm. uh, which is understandable when you're now paying guys a fortune. You don't want them injured for six months because some kind of guy like Vinnie Jones is sort of giving them a double leg break <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's like an insurance claim we've had in the back of that um, and that, that's that's the change and um, it's a case of whether we accept it or as kind of fans we demand more kind of aggressive play uh, to kind of come back into the game it just depends obviously mm. what kind of people want uh, What do you think about it Andrew? Oh, even if you just look back to like the most recent things probably corners because they just keep getting softer and softer. It used to be a, it used to be an absolute wrestle, and if you looked at when Leicester won the league, they got most of their goals from corners, and they used to wrestle with Huth and then Morgan. But you don't like even if you try and do that now, it's a straight foul. Mm, fouls on the keeper these days are really soft as well. Yeah, but that's I, I don't know why that's happened, but it's always been a thing. They're overprotected I, in a sense. As soon as you touch a keeper, it's basically a foul, particularly if he's feet are off the ground. It's an immediate foul. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. kind of agree with the point. Though, I mean, when you look back in that, particularly that Leicester team with kind of Huth and West Morgan, they were kind of big, powerful guys. Um, I don't think even now, we're only a couple of years sort of from that, I think they would get away with it, particularly with VAR analysing every minute detail for every single goal. It, it kind of rules out any even kind of slight infringement. Yeah. See, I think that's my problem these days is we've we've moved the, to this sort of moan culture where I honestly don't think 20 years ago, you know, match of the day was about decisions in the same way that it is about now. I think easily you can take up 60-70% of the analysis with the analysis of the referee. And I think VAR makes that a lot worse. And I actually think in, in Scotland we're not as bad for all of it. Um, I don't think we have many as many divers in our game. We don't tend to give as many soft decisions. Um, and I quite like that. You know, it, it's perhaps not fair 
and not perfect. But the game never was fair or perfect. Um, and I was I've seen to Andrew earlier that I like how in other sports there's a sort of way of self policing things. So, for example, like in NASCAR, if you bump a guy off in the last lap, they're not going to like totally Formula One it, and they're not going to black flag you and say penalty. They're just going to say. I think the phrase is Rubbin's racing. He hit you, you can hit him next race. That's the deal. Um, in the same way, uh, in ice hockey, you're a big fan of ice hockey, Andrew, aren't you? Yeah, I like it. How how do they deal with their disagreements in ice hockey? Well, they just fight. <laughs> Good old-fashioned way. Do the referees intervene? Uh, after a certain point, when it becomes unsafe. But you can't really, I can really imagine that in football, though, because that would be, that would just get out of hand. No, you couldn't. It's been phased for, out of that and it will be get phased out of this. I think for football that would be just as bad. I mean, there would be a slight scrap on the park and then it would just kick off in the stands. Yeah. If, if you're taking like, a, like an Aberdeen Rangers game and you have, let's say, Glenn Kamara going in for a challenge with um, Lewis Ferguson, there would be a wee kind of like tiff in the middle of the park. You can guarantee they'd be up chasing each other at that kind of uh, gate along that uh, side stand, which would be fantastic <laughs> to watch from a distance, but <laughs> it would very quickly get out of hand. Yeah, it's, uh, it's probably a bad influence on the watching public. I agree with that. Um, I'm just pointing out other ways it means, but... but even do- with like the 50-50, that used to be an absolute momentum shift because mm. I think there was one with Falkirk a few years ago, it was Paul Payton, and then Falkirk were rotten, but then he went in for a 50-50, we won the ball, we scored. But that literally changed the full crowd noise, people got up for it, which is not too often in the Falkirk Stadium. And... I think you don't get that anymore. Like even just a 50-50 was exciting. But how often do you get a drop ball? They're yeah, exactly. that. And even, Sorry. Even with a even with a drop ball, it's like it's somebody will concede and you're just basically kind of giving it yep. uh, to kind of carry on play. Uh, the best thing about Paul Payton actually um, for kind of fifty fifty challenges was uh the preseason game, I think for that season. Uh, it was uh folk were playing Aberdeen up in our broth, weirdly. And uh, Paul Payne absolutely cleaned out one of the Aberdeen players. Like the boy was a crumpled wreck in, in the middle of the park, and he just towered over him to say, "Get up here!" <laughs> I was like, "That kind of got things going a wee bit for a pre-season game. It was fantastic." I, I can't remember who the player was. He absolutely wiped out. Well, if it was, I, I can believe it would be some young lad or something like that. But it proves um, a point. It's a character. I, I do actually quite like that in games where to get the fans g'd up, they'll just leave the foot in on some of the Hibs Hearts games if you watch the sort of 90s variants of that that happened all the time like in early five minutes they were just kicking lumps out of each other to prove a point um, do you think it's a style of football that then is going to be lost for, for the good or for the better I think in terms of Scottish level maybe not but it's getting tamer as it goes but I think in terms of like England it's gone because you used, used to have your Manchester United Liverpool gone Manchester United Man City gone in my opinion uh, Liverpool Everton sometimes it depends there's been times where they have got heated and then it turns into a more of an interesting game but you don't you don't really get that at all with the bigger teams so like Man United Man City's but I think the, the, certainly the bigger leagues in England has become a lot more tenable as they kind of focus on the kind of tactical game which absolutely doesn't happen up here the Scottish game is incredibly physical and I think it, for a long time it will stay like that um, purely because that's the only way we know how to play football and can play football 
I think when they're down in England with the amount of, kind of money and the quality of player, that is certainly, I think it's it's a tactical balance, your skill, it's your ability, rather than being able to absolutely wipe out your opponent. Um, in saying that, though, the, the lower down the English leagues you get, um, it does begin to get quite kind of physical. I think I think that's the difference when you see the teams coming up for the Championship and the Premier League. There is such a wholesale change because it's completely different from what you need in your squad. Mm. Um, I think that's why Norwich struggle every time they come up because they're a very good Championship team, which is just for Haddies like Grant Hanley. But they, they're just not technically capable of playing in the Premier League. And that's, that's the big difference. And I would agree. I think in the, in the Premier League, the the sort of the times off sort of Roy Keane Patrick Vieira uh, they're gone and I don't think they'll ever come back yeah I think I totally agree with that as in these generations I honestly don't think football teams back then were tactically as advanced as the teams are now and I I do think everything's almost overthought to the point that that's what creates competition and interest and that's what creates upsets is players just going out there doing their best not really knowing that oh you're going to do play x y z you're going to set up in formation you know ytt or whatever um and that's what kind of spice things up but uh yeah it looks like um some of these bigger teams are perhaps going to be moving further and further away from their roots in the English Premier League and throughout the nation as it appears that Manchester United and Liverpool have suggested concrete interest in the European Super League which has been floated about for some time basically all the big hitters in Europe I think the only names I didn't really see were any German teams or Paris Saint-Germain but your big three Spanish teams your big three Italian teams Um. And then the big six <laughs> English Premier League teams, which I was a bit like, do we do we really want to include Tottenham in this, guys? Like, you know, do we want to have a think about that? Um, We've got money. We've got a lot of money. That's a nice stadium as well. Big stadium. Uh, but UEFA have uh, thrown <laughs> thrown the rag out the pram today, so. I wanted to gather your thoughts because I don't think we've really discussed the European Super League much on the podcast before. Uh, what do you think of the potential of using losing the top tier European teams to a European Super League? John, we'll start with you. Uh, I don't know a huge amount about the story. Um, I can understand a little bit the kind of premise behind it, although uh, it's understand it's the either the current or former Juventus sort of chairman or president of that club. I think it's kind of spearheading a lot of it. Um, Luis Figo's involved for some unknown reason, I think, mm. uh, which is very strange. Um, I don't know what the kind of clubs are involved. Uh, but actually, I kind of thought that a couple of the big Italian teams were against it. Um, but I certainly see the some of the statements of kind of came out from the Premier League, the FA, English FA, and the, the really kind of funny ones being UEFA talking about enough is enough and everyone should be treated fairly when they have been hoarding it in for years and years. Absolute shambles coming from them. The only reason they're getting involved is they're panicking because this wipes out the Champions League mm-hmm. and all the kind of money and all the wealth that comes along with that. So that's why they're panicking and chucking out statements. If the European Super League came under the UEFA banner, that would all go away. And I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of starts to kind of emerge from the dust of all of this. Aye, they're, uh, they're greedy themselves. They're the worst of the bunch. Uh, they're, they're, they, uh, honestly, the only reason I would be like, for it, and I'm obviously I'm totally against it really, but the only reason I would be for it is it really gets up UEFA's nose, and I quite like that, <laughs> because they have been shafting European football for decades now, and it's 
it's high time someone gave them a taste of their own medicine. Indeed. Uh, Andrew, do you think it would be a big loss to, say, the Champions League or to the English Premier League if these clubs were to leave? I think it would be a big loss to the Champions League, yes, because you've got like your smaller teams that come up and then there's, there's sometimes stories about them doing well every year. So I think you'd lose the sort of interest that way. But in terms of the Premiership, I think it'd be interesting because I have a feeling it might have a like China effect. So it might be good for a season or two and then just come crumbling down and they'll come running back. But... The question is, the money that's been put into these teams by different companies, is it going to then shift to be put into like teams like Leeds, Everton, and then they'll become the giants of English football? But if they, if they go to the European Super League, is the money going to shift back to the English Premier League? Because again, if you're an English company, you're not exactly going to want to do it all across the world, which is not maybe the most common thing, but... I think oh, the problem out there is I can't name you a single major English company that are headline sponsors of any of the big teams. Yeah, um, that's fair. But I totally agree with you in terms of a little bit more competition. You know, we could see the rise of Aston Villa again. You know, these teams now have a hope of actually winning the English Premier League, which is a big deal. Um, irrespective of whether the big four or five there because football is at a point now where I believe it's relatively stagnant and it is incredibly difficult to break through these big sides now you know like in France for example Monaco had their couple of seasons where they had the measure of PSG where they got to did they get to the Champions League final? semi-final? semi-final but again Mbappe was sold, you know, the lad, eh, I think Mendy went to Man City, it was broken up. Ajax went all the way to the Champions League final. Um, Again, one of the first teams to break that mold in ages. That team was decimated the summer after. Um, And this season it's going to be, what, either an English side or, what, uh, PSG or... PSG, Chelsea... Man City and another Madrid. Yes. Yeah, I Real Madrid. Real Madrid. So there's a bit of a, you know, it's a sort of mafia-style thing where, you know, you've got the heads of the different houses and it's very, very hard to get a seat at that table. So by, by breaking them off into their own thing, I think as long as it weren't allowed to compete, you know, say these kickoffs are not going to be at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, which I don't believe they would be anyway. This would be evening football, probably universally across the board. I, again, if you're a fan of these clubs, I know there's been a lot of volatility today, but you know, do Man United care about the FA Cup? Do Arsenal care about the League Cup? Do you know Tottenham really? You know, they're just out for that big European money at the end of the day really if we're all honest yeah um, well, I think for English clubs they are the main focus is always certainly if you're in the Champions League that is usually your priority um, but the Premier League to actually win the title is still a big deal um, I would agree that certainly the FA Cup and the League Cup are what we would kind of call diddy trophies um, in, in their eyes and I can understand why maybe they're wanting a bit more kind of bigger competition or have a better chance of winning a European kind of title Hmm. Um, so I kind of get it from that perspective because um, obviously this would completely and utterly remove them from the domestic leagues so chances are they are going to be playing on Saturdays Sundays you know, and they'll have their own kind of schedule 
that is going to compete with the domestic level. Again, how much interest realistically is there going to be for for that kind of thing? I mean, Old Trafford is 80% full of tourists every other week when you're actually on the ground. You know, how many Mancunians really kind of care or have even a, a hope of getting a ticket? And it's going to be even worse if it moves to a, a European league. Um, you might start to see these kind of challenge clubs start to pop up a little bit more. Um, so like FC United of Manchester and, and, and so forth and stuff like that. So maybe they could come on their eyes um, and it gives a little bit more openness again to, like you say, like Aston Villa, Leeds, um, even the kind of, some of the clubs that are in the championship at the moment. You know, Nottingham Forest, Derby County, all historic, historically big teams in, in England. Charlton kind of Athletic, even. Charlton Athletic, they should be kind of hoping to kind of be back in the Premier League eventually one day, maybe. Um, Newcastle, you know, like we could become one of the kind of biggest teams in, in England. Oh no, no, no danger of that, John. <laughs> nah, well, I don't know. I mean, this is the thing; it, it eliminates all their kind of competition completely. And you would assume eventually. Uh, the old firm would decide that they want to kind of go and join the ranks of this kind of second tier off the, the, in the European Super League because, you know, let's face it, there's 20 other teams in Europe that are bigger than them as much as they would like to kind of joke about it. Well, For the moment, I would put in there the caveat. I don't know. You... I think once money starts coming in, they would go higher and higher. Oh, if, if they could get in, they would go for it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The, the problem is they're not obviously of the ilk right now. Uh, yeah, but... that's the thing. So they would, they would have to come in at such a kind of a low level to eventually build themselves up but that opens up the Scottish Leagues again to I was going to say like more competition you're basically looking at Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen winning your league every season rather than yeah. Rangers or Celtic see my, my worry with, like a three horse race rather than a two horse race my worry with that is we eventually go the way of the Welsh League essentially um, a, and become a complete diddy tournament at that point because we're the League of Ireland but we just played during the winter like. <laughs> yeah a little bit Um uh, we, we are fortunately bigger than them at the moment. I don't think Rangers and Celtic are the lifeblood of our league. They're kind of the lifeblood of our league, I suppose. But um, yeah, I, I think, you know, if you're actually trying to label clubs that actually pull in 50,000 or 60,000 people a week, there are not many of those in Europe. Um, in terms of merchandising as well, I'm pretty sure Rangers and Celtic will be right up there. And if we maybe got together and nudged Ireland a wee bit, which would be highly controversial, and just said, could we get your European Super League entry as well? If we put ours and yours together, we might get one of the teams in the European Super League. It'd be interesting to see who they chose. Um, no, it depends on what island you pick. Well, well you, you could combine them. Why not have... Oh, that's, too much, that's too much an argument. Like that. <laughs> you could have green and blue hoops, John, on the kit. Do you not think that would work? Are you calling a dairy or London dairy? Oh, <laughs> anyway, before I'm uh, burned in effigies all across the land, um, by... already are. Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the hope is they never get this far in the podcast. But uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Again, I do think football's become quite stale from a competitive standpoint. There are only a handful of teams ever in shout with competition. And you look back 30, 40, 50 years ago, there was constantly, there was different dynasty football teams that came through and would maybe win four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, not quite ten though, um, in a row. Um, and it, it would be good to see a little bit more variety. We'll see what comes of this. This will be shuttered at some point. UEFA will come to some sort of compromise. Um, this new Champions League format just looks confusing and uh, nonsense um, and I don't think anyone wants that either so we'll see what happens with that but uh, we did see uh, Rangers and Celtic playing today did you catch the game John? 
Nope. Oh. (laughs) 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 Okay. For great use of your primary sports subscription, I did not watch the game either. Uh, I think I watched the last. I watched the last fifteen minutes, in which I saw Odson Edward throw a pretty mediocre penalty at Alan McGregor, which was tremendously saved. Um, And that seems to be the the story of the game. Is you know Celtic had their chances, uh, but didn't quite have the the confidence to finish. Did you hear much the same, Andrew? No, I watched half of it, but there was a chance where Welsh had a chance. Like the ball got swung in, ball fell to Welsh's feet, and all he had to do was tap it in, but he's just tapped it in the totally wrong direction. So the, the way and you then said it's that, off the line. Andrew, as you said, the ball's come into his feet. All he had to do was hit it in the correct direction as it got in. If you're a perfectly competent footballer, that would be fine. If once you see it, it looks easier to put in the general direction of the goal than the way they actually put it. Mm. But it wasn't just him because there were still chances from the majority of Celtic players and they just couldn't finish. I think it's a it's a mentality thing, isn't it? That they've they've just really not been winners this season. No, Rangers have think, had that mentality and uh, that's showed. Yeah, because especially like if you consider their what their forty shots against Volgrick and they only scored three of them. It's a bit worrying. Uh, that considering that coming from a bigger team because if, 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 if we played Rangers on that day I reckon they'd take about 9 or 10 and I'm not even kidding well they well ironically they played I think Cove Rangers at the same time and put fourth past them in the first half oh, they, the second half they just went we'll just, we'll just be nice yeah but you can you can do that though once you've put four past them in the first half yeah. you can put Scott right on um, for example <laughs> um, I think he actually started that game by the way um, yeah I think uh, if Eddie Howe was at home watching that game, he'll be thinking, no, 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 no. I am Ofsky. I am not touching this for the barge pole. You can get whoever you want to next season, but it ain't going to be me. It's a total rebuild. That's a whole new starting eleven. let's be honest. We've uh, we've said that. So Celtic missed their last chance. Their season is over. They've gone from a treble to nothing. Um, And a pretty miserable season and uh, a long... Long season or two ahead whilst they rebuild there. Uh, did you catch any of the other Scottish Cup matches at all then, John? Uh, one or two. I've seen a lot of the highlights for the other games. Um, I watched sort of in and out of the Stranraer Hibs game uh, earlier on today uh, or Sunday if you're listening later. Um, again, Hibs kind of did the job. I think Stranraer were dead in their feet pretty early on. Um, like this, that was their fourth game in about a week, which was outrageous. They were they were saying um, something mental about uh, like Clyde having like nigh on like ten games in a fortnight. I was going like, nah, they they've got so many games to kind of catch up and did the Scottish Cup on top of it as well. So um a lot of like one teams have been kinda they've kind of been done really for their own success in the in the cup. And then they've had to kind of carry over in a few extra games. Um, but Hibs were kind of comfortable. Um did, really kinda, uh, Daryl Duffy feature much at the coverage at all? He, he did play. Um, I don't know if he'll actually the full 90 minutes. I kind of turned it off because the game was done. Yeah. Um, but it, it was there. Like I say, Hibs, Hibs were comfortable. Um, I thought Christian Dodge, for some bizarre reason, every time you see him, you think he's not very good. But he still gets goals and it's really, really frustrating because <laughs> I just want to sit slate the guy. Um, but he just comes up with the goods every time. He's interesting because you look at his stats and his career stats are awful. Like he's just not scored many goals in any good leagues at all. And he has all of a sudden found quite a lot of success at Hibernian. 
But Hibs are always just really good at feeding strikers, I find, for some reason. Like, they always have this one talisman. Because he's quite slow, <laughs> for instance. He's not, like, yeah, he's, physically he great. He doesn't look like a football player. Like, he's, he's a bit kind of lanky. Um, he doesn't really have any kind of great pace to him. But for some unknown reason, particularly against smaller teams, he just finds himself in the right place at the right time. It's probably helped that he's got, like, sort of Martin Boyle on one side and, and Kevin Nisbet on the other. They are uh, pretty. It's great. I, I, I do appreciate Martin Boyle. Just he's a enjoy he's got pace so he looks he looks good in the yeah, Scottish League um, I think he's kind of found his level in the career but um, yeah I spent what felt like four hours on Saturday watching Aberdeen uh, scrape and crawl and grind and like rub sandpaper against their faces uh, to get past Livingston Football Club uh, now a lot of people pointed out when this was picked for the TV schedules that these are two teams playing badly um, Livingston having not done very well since their Scottish Cup loss um, and Aberdeen uh, yeah, yeah, Aberdeen um, haven't been very good <laughs> yeah, haven't been very good since the turn of the year so Stephen Glass's first game it was interesting to see how they went um, and of course he wants to play beautiful football uh, the first thing I noticed about this actually was they were always playing out from the goalkeeper from the like from the back so you know how if you're playing FIFA, you never really want to punt the ball because you always know you're going to lose it because just heading in that game is difficult. So you always pass it to the nearest defender. Uh, that's exactly what they were doing. However, Mr. Thomas or Tommy Hoban, I don't think has received a football like that in you know, the 10 years he's been playing football. <laughs> and the massive issue they had, the commentators didn't really mention it until the second half, but they were playing into the sun the first half. Which I thought was daft, because if you're going to pick which end you're going into, the sun's going to set as the game goes on, so you pick the opposite end, but obviously superstition. And yeah, Aberdeen had uh, nothing in between the defence and the midfield, so the defenders kept getting caught out, Livingston kept harassing them, and that's kind of how the first goal came about. Uh, that J. Emmanuel Thomas is a tank, by the way. He's like Uche Ekpeso, but much skinnier and much more effective. Um, apart from when he falls over. Apart from when he falls over. I actually kind of don't blame him for that. He actually looked really guilty about the penalty decision later on. Uh, but aye, Aberdeen struggled on. The midfielders, whilst trying their best, were just nowhere. And I think the only place Aberdeen really looked strong is down the left-hand side they had Johnny Hayes and Matty Kennedy. Um, who are two incredibly similar players in that they're both kind of fullbacky players. Kennedy was playing up the pitch, they're both quite pacey. But when they were like overlapping each other, getting great crosses in the box and things like that, and there was just there's nothing through the middle. Um they need better holding midfielders than they currently have. Because I think Ferguson in a holding midfield role is just too deep. He needs to be further up the park. Yep. Um Dean Campbell is probably a bit young to play that holding midfielder role. You need someone experienced. You need that sort of Harkins, Latipe, uh, Mark Kerr sort of type of player. <laughs> um, you know, that's experienced to know what they're going to do with it. So there's a bit of work to be done if that's the football they want to play. Um, took it to extra time, took it to penalties, held their nerve in the penalties. I think they barely raised the ball at all. When they took their penalties, Aberdeen's, which suggests to me they're not particularly confident um, in their striking ability still. Jason Holt striking it off the bar. I think Jason Holt's actually done a terrific job there. 
Uh, though, and he's out of the well, no, no, but just in, like what he's done at Livingston, I actually want him to, to put him on a list of bad players, Ranger, ra- bad Rangers players who have turned out good versus bad Rangers players that turned out bad. Andy Halliday's mainly the one I'm thinking out there. Um, so yeah, on <laughs> he did all right at uh, Derby, didn't he? Did Derby, yeah, no, he did not bad once he left. There we go. So we'll uh, a list to come at some time in the near future. Uh, but a lot of work to do for Stephen Glass. There needs to be a lot of confidence rebuilt at Aberdeen. You know, uh, good to see them score two goals and Florian Camberi getting his first goal um, in the time there. He actually looks like a classy striker, but just it just looks like he can't be asked. He does look very relaxed. Um, it's, it's pathetic. Like. I know. So uh, he looked. To be honest, I'm going to kind of go into like his kind of like the twins later on. But he looks like um, one of the kind of realtors at a million dollar listings in New York. It's freaky as anything when you watch it. <laughs> I can see the sort of jawline and things. I don't think they would be very good if they switched roles with each job. Uh, no, <laughs> for a week, not so much. Um, but yeah, happy to see Aberdeen go through. Do I think they've got any chance uh, further on in the competition? No. Who's no. They, <laughs> Who do they play? It's Dundee United at home. Nah, uh, nah, you know, that's the only tie I know. By the way, so don't don't expect me. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I know the other ones. I think it's um, the Rangers. Not, Rangers St Johnston. Rangers St Johnston, and then Kilmarnock will play St Mirren. Then yes, yes Kilmarnock will play St Mirren. Another, uh, there's another tie in there somewhere. Hibson somebody. We'll figure it out. Um, Dundee United, I think they only beat four for one nil, didn't they? In the end, again, it was a kind of game. I kind of was kind of fucking around out of. Uh, broadly speaking, again, they done the job they needed to do. Yeah, um, it could have been maybe two or three. Most of their shots kind of came from outside the box. But I, I don't know whether that was a sort of. Uh, they just couldn't be bothered kind of taking that kind of final pass to try and make the breakthrough, or uh, Mickey Mellon had basically told them effectively shoot on sight as soon as you're in that kind of range. See, uh, take it, see what happens. He's been linked with Doncaster in recent weeks, and I was just looking at the look at his face, going, "We can't get a goal across for far." I am packing my bags. I am yeah, here, boys. It's payday. Like. Shankland is not playing well and not scoring goals. It's over. That's uh, it. He'll do well down in Doncaster. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, meanwhile, the ever-present Peter Pollitt scoring his first goal in a long time. If you want a look-alike for Peter Pollitt, by the way, look up Florian Tovan, who was a former Marseille player. Uh, played for some team in England, but I don't really recall. Ah, we'll, we'll gloss over that as well. <laughs> Useless man. But they could be they could be great twins for a switch. Although I think Tovan's a little bit shorter. Uh, <laughs> well, Andrew, you know, you not remember the Peter Pollitt baby chance of Aberdeen's League Cup triumph? See, that was that that was all well and good, but until he went down England, came back up. The first game that I saw him play, he was barely recognisable because of the amount of weight he put on. <laughs> Ah, it's just it's just bulking <laughs> up. It's fine. It's fine. But uh, like, I, I was shocked because I expected it to be like quite quick and stuff like that. None of that. Nope. He was interesting because I was reading up on his Wikipedia profile today because I was like, I knew he had his stint at MK Dons and things and did all right, but he went out on loan to St Johnston, and then Aberdeen sold Ryan Fraser. So he was recalled to replace Ryan Fraser, and you like, you know, when you like compare like for like, and you're like. Yeah, those two careers went two different ways. Um, 
But yeah, elsewhere, Kilmarnock breezed by Montrose. Montrose. Did you see those highlights? I have, yep. Montrose. Again, Montrose were kind of dead in their feet. They were they had three or four absolutely blindingly good chances. And I have never seen worse ball control in front of a net. Like one of the boys literally dragged it away from his foot, away from the goal. And there was a few... And the goal that they did score, it was like at long last... That game could have easily been 3-3. Um, so they... I think Kilmarnock look good going forward, but they're horrible at the back. Mm-hmm. So it's a case of like, can they outscore their opponent? Um, you kind of seen that last week in the, the kind of Ross County game. We kill Lafferty and um, Barker up front. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have plenty of goals in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, just, they're just hopeless everywhere else in the park. Well, I thought Montrose, if they had any finishing, which I know is a problem in the Scottish lower leagues, but we'll get to that, I'm sure. Uh, Oh, St Mirren against Inverness Cali was a pretty juicy game, I thought, actually. Um, Nikolai Jodorov scored again, I think, didn't he? (laughs) The boy's got like four goals in his last five games. Unbelievable. (laughs) Um, I'd never rated him. Well, he scored four goals in his last five real. games. <laughs> well, he scored four goals in his last five games. So, uh, Neil McCann... Actually, I do wonder if Neil McCann's finding a little bit too much from his Inverness Cali team at the moment, to the point that they might not need John Robertson to return. I don't know. Oh, I can give it time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought they were unlucky against St Mirren. Had a lot of good chances, but... Uh, now St Mirren on another fantastic cup run uh, with Jim Goodwin who broke SPFL disciplinary rule note 203 and was on the sidelines although wow. banning someone to the stands at the moment I feel like is a little bit redundant because everyone else is in the stand anyway <laughs> um, you, can just, you can bark orders from like three or four rows up oh, yeah. <laughs> you've been banishing them to the car park <laughs> it's exactly the same deal um, what else was interesting about that game? Scott Allen plays with Inverness Caledonians as well. Yes, yes, I think he's actually loaned from Hibs. Um, he was kind of struggling to get into that team. That's a belt. It's kind of weird now when you when you consider that Jason Cummings is at Dundee and Scott Allen is at Inverness. When at the time they were like the two kind of hot prospects in Scottish football. Yeah, uh, really kind of bizarre that they're still kind of mucking about in the championship. I don't understand how these things work sometimes because these guys go away, come back, and they all of a sudden, as you say, just drop one or two levels. Like mm. Simon Murray, when he was at Hibs, I thought was a fantastic striker. And even at Dundee United, fantastic striker. He leaves to South Africa, comes back, and all of a sudden he's playing for Queen's Park. Like Queen's Park. <laughs> I hate their away top. Their away top just annoys me. Oh, I, I hate both tops. I looked at it the other day. I was like, I'd... see if it was a little bit more blue and orange and a like a little bit less multicoloured, I think it would be really cool. I just don't know. I just don't like it. It just annoys me. There's a lot they could do with that Iron Brew sponsorship, I think. And that's what the away kit's kind of leaning towards. Uh, I think yeah. they're the home and away top like based on like normal diet Iron Brew. <laughs> the, problem, the problem is you can't really do that with the home top because it's the traditional, it's always going to be the black and white the, hoops, isn't it? Black and silver, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, you could have some orange accents to it or something. Special yeah. edition can. Yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board. Um, like extra large. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were drinking that much diet and brew, who knows? 
Um, you'll see over my shoulder. Oh, no, that shoulder. Hey, oh. There you go. Hey! <clears throat> Sugar, hello. Uh, was it worth it? <laughs> yeah, totally worth it. Aberdeen away kit. <laughs> How much did it cost me? Twenty pounds. Fifteen pounds. Fifteen. Fifteen. Oh. So originally I was only get going to get the away kit because I was like fifteen quid, basically cheaper than a t-shirt at this point. Might as well. And then of course you get to the car and it's like, oh, if you spend forty pounds, you get free delivery. I'm like, oh well, we can't be not having free because it was going to be six pounds. I was like, sod that, I'm not paying six pounds. So that's why the home jersey turned up, John. Um, so the, I thought the home jersey was fifteen pounds as well. The home jersey is fifteen pounds, so that takes me to. Th- so where's the where's the ten? The ten comes Ooh, from the right. uh, the away shorts. <laughs> that's essentially, oh, I've got away shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need. Uh, oh. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I don't have the socks. I don't have the socks. Yet, <laughs> well, that's the thing. I only bought the shorts because I needed them. Um, like I go running and stuff, so I just use football shorts to go running. Um, but you always make sure because I've got like Paris Saint Germain shorts, and you could never go running in the PSG top and the PSG shorts because it looks like you've been too much of a, a tryhard. Similarly with the Aberdeen ones as well, because I've got last weirdly I've got last year's away home and away shorts as well. Um. I suppose I'm, I'm trying not to judge. Like. Here, black shorts could have <laughs> done with them. As long as they're not worn at the same time, you don't look like a tryhard. When was the last time you bought adult football shorts out of curiosity? Uh, we could have that long ago. <laughs> five, six years ago. Five, six years ago, John. How long? Uh, I bought them last summer because the, my flat was unbearably hot. That was the best thing I could kind of sleep in. Right. So I got a pair of uh, Roma home, I think they were for the home kit. Eight quid, like, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. sleeping. See, I think they're they're missing a trick here, John, with these mystery shirt boxes. You, do you see where I'm going with this here? Why have... Sorry, John, what are you saying? Mystery short box. Oh, a mystery short box. It's only about that size. Yes! <laughs> Can you imagine? There must be so much overstock of shorts, like, everywhere. Do it for a uh, half the price. Out of everything as well. I mean, shorts and socks in particular must be just lying everywhere. Like. Yes. And we could call it half kit bleep <laughs> instead of full <laughs> kit. <laughs> just get the shorts and the socks. Who needs the top? There you go. Anyway, where were we? Scottish Cup games. I think we pretty much covered them all, didn't we? Yeah, pretty much. So, St. Johnson beat Clyde with basically Chocolate. the same team that they had in 2014. They talked a lot about Stevie May and Michael Ireland. League One fixtures were on this weekend for the losers that were punted out the cup. Uh, Falkirk are just about leading the league. No more. You can hear the ball crash for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And what are they going into the split next week or the week after? Next week. So, final fixture. Two games this week and then the split. So, every game becomes a six pointer. A six-pointer? Yes, a six-pointer. At this point, yep. they're deadly rivals, Cove Rangers. Andrew, you were tuned into the stream, weren't you? Yes, I was. What did you make of, of M&M's team's performance? Has anyone called them? M&M's, yeah, plenty of times. I, thought I think, especially with, like, even, even the Falkirk, like, fan page, like, if they win one week, everyone's like, oh, brilliant, lad, lad, lad. As soon as they lose, get them out, get them sat. But, they decided to change the formation against Cove Rangers. So we, 
usually play the sort of like four two three one or four four two. It depends. But there was just such a disconnect. And then every time Cove got the ball, five A shooting it left and right. I can't really name a Falkirk player that can do that for us now. The two strikers, McAllister, um, Meg- is it Megason? Mitch Megason. Yep. Ridiculous. Old-fashioned. They can score. That's it. There's no nothing fancy with it. And it's just brilliant to watch. But I think we can run against the run of play, but tactically, if we played three at the back, two youngsters next to Durnan, and Durnan is a liability, so we put two, no, two youngsters next to Durnan, which you've not really got an insurance package there. And then there was no midfield. And I, I, I still, still to this day, Connor Salmon, I don't know. I, I really don't. Because every single time in the commentary, they're always talking about, oh, what a career the man had. Oh, he went for 500,000 here. For a man that's six foot two, I've never seen him win a header. And they always like, talk about his aerial threat. He gets smaller when he jumps. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I think in terms of tactically, there was nothing for Falkirk there. Because we never had Telfer, who's probably been our best player since we returned by a country mile and in terms of like without Telfer Alston can't get in the game so it's just it's null and void but overall I think we are in we're in trouble big bother yeah we, we look doomed to be honest this is like the scariest bit for me in that particularly that kind of whatever it was sort of three five and a haddie up front was yep. putting certainly Kai Fothering on left wing back was shocking and then having Cal Morrison as the kind of only right attacking threat we have in that team is right wing back and the two of them were pinned that far back because it was literally nothing kind of sticking in the midfield as we were playing five at the back with these two wing backs two yep. young guys kind of trying to cover the centre back while Mark Dunham tries not to get himself sent off that 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 is shocking that the fact that we went that defensive in the first place is just embarrassing I mean like with all due respect to Cove, I mean, Falkirk are a bigger team and that squad should be a lot better than it is. So that's, they should be going out there and they should be going out to have a go and be more attacking, be 4-4-2, you know, push it a little bit further and actually have your two attacking players on the sides fucking playing in the right positions. This is madness. It just makes no sense why they're doing that. The them should go, honestly. They should be sacked at half-time. It's just ridiculous. No, no but this is, this is where you start to get the disconnect because you've got all the fall group fans are going to call for them to go. Who are you going to get in for the last month? Oh, Gary Holt. Look, honestly, honestly it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter because it would just be better. Right? It can't get any worse. You have to admit, it cannot get any worse. Like The next thing they're going to do is have Conor Salmon playing as a centre-back because he's six foot two and allegedly can jump. And that's, that's where we're at. Like, but the problem is like they, t- they sometimes try to get him to drop in. And I think with a player that drops in, if you're going to get him to drop in, he needs to have a first touch. But in terms of if you watched him, like tomorrow, playing for Falkirk, you would be very surprised that he's played for the professional teams he's played for. Because his first touch is gone. And then once you reach a certain age, you need to try and change your play, which, I mean, I don't know what type of play he's ever had. However, um, he's good for comedy factor. But I think against Clyde about one weekend ago, he put himself about and Falkirk fans thought that was great, but he didn't do anything positive. So the Clyde game, we actually came out and we had a bit of a go at them as well. Clyde weren't great, but you know we had, we had a lot more of the ball, we looked a lot more attacking. That That's because we played the formation that we've played the majority of the season. Exactly. Last time we beat Cove, we played that formation, but we decided, oh, let's reinvent the wheel Aye, and let's... play the two best attacking players closer to the defence. 
I reckon somewhere around kind of like four for the bottle crashed and they immediately decided we're going back to like a back five and just sell yep. to the defensive ball, try and get the point and, and come back down the road again. Like they'll I do the same against Peter Head. Like that, they're, they're in trouble against Dumbarton. I think Dumbarton is it Dumbarton the next game? They, I know it's Peter Head on Saturday. I don't know if they've got a mid So Dumbarton on Tuesday. And the way they played against Aberdeen, they've kept that form going, right. which is actually not bad. Are you looking up at your uh, club calendar on your wall there, Adrian? I am, yes. It's the April. <laughs> the finest Blair Alston up there. However, I've, the only thing I've actually seen him do well since we, come, since we came back are free kicks. But overall, I think in terms of Partick have got momentum, Cove have got momentum, Falkirk currently don't. So it's errors to lose, but I think they've got to wake up quite quickly, but we'll find it. So, do you perhaps think if the split wasn't in place, they would have had a better opportunity to win the league as opposed to playing all these informed teams who are chasing them down, who are hungry for the league, instead of what would have otherwise been? Yeah, because I think Partick have got a bigger squad than us, and they didn't really have any good strikers, but then Rudden started to score for them recently. Oh, I forgot about him. Airdrie, in terms of watching them, it's they've got a much better way of playing football. It's a lot more interesting than watch. And then in terms of Cove, once we play them again, if we do the five at the back thing again, we're literally just shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah, because we, we will get beat. Like, yeah, but I, I'm not a huge fan of like the the whole Dunning partnership. But overall, with the four at the back, we're just better. They might as well just keep it classic because they're not really at this point. I imagine Lee Miller's just kind of. The face of the partnership and McCracken does fitness, and that's all I can really see from them. The the two of them are well out of their depth, like in, in the way Falkirk are going. The, the two of them are going to like drag us down to the level they should be like starting at. Uh, yeah, I mean they're burning sort of goodwill that they had as players, and if they've got any sense, they would just kind of you know gracefully walk away from it. I mean, I still feel that people are being a bit harsh on them in terms of we are still top of the league. Are still rank rotten though. I mean, but then people are saying we've got a bigger budget than Partick, which look at the players Partick have compared to us. We, they're spending spending. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, we've got Sam and they've got what Ricky Foster. Um, so yeah, again, if you're looking to an experienced that. head, they've got a better one than we do. Yeah. So, yeah. and then I think over the past few seasons, you've seen the sort of I want to call it the enforcer role but not really because you've got like we had Paul Payton Paul Payton went we got um, Miller in uh, Gary Miller came in just to do that role but again he's there for the experience and again it's just it just seems to be how it goes but I'm not a particular fan of how they played but I think if I was to predict it now I want to say Falkirk but I genuinely think it's the next game if we don't win it it's going to be between Cove and Partick well, that was a positive and uh, <laughs> cheery conversation between John and Andrew there. I have plenty of highlight clips to come from that, uh, particularly from John's end of thing, and from Andrew's as well, that will make them very popular season ticket holders with the club next season. Um, I mean, the majority of the Falkirk fan base do say the exact same. Yeah. It's, I think there was, there was there was one person that said they were a Premiership team and he did get torn apart from that because we're not a Premiership team. No. Nah. <laughs> 
I, it's not good. Not good at all. I actually think we need to have a chat on here some week about uh, football forums um, in particular. I think that would make for quite a juicy topic. But oh. we shall save that for another day. We shall keep an eye on Falkirk's progress. And I think we'll have a very juicy season review show um, in a few weeks' time. <laughs> so do stay tuned for that. And if you want to keep your fingers crossed for them not winning the league, I would do that because I think it would make for an extremely juicy end of year uh, season review. Uh, but what we'll do now do we want a theme tune for cage match now we just jump in right okay we are (laughs) here's john with our first cage match face off face off yes yeah face off fixture what you want to call it over to you john Um, so as i kind of went last week um kind of not well but anyway we'll, we'll gloss over that um what we've kind of done is i've Kind of arranged all the teams. Um, we now have kind of eight teams featuring three superstar players um, from across the world. And what we're going to do is I've kind of put them in sort of different teams. And what we're going to do is kind of argue out or kind of discuss which team would kind of win in a cage match or a three v three, based on their sort of their skills, their abilities, um, who would be better in what position um, against the two teams. So. The first team we have um, called Os Leois or the Lions, as we would know in English. I would have said um, Leos. We, would you not say Leos? Leos is Portuguese, um, I think. I would say Portuguese. Uh, in, <laughs> in honour of the striker of this particular team, which is Neymar. Um, the midfielder being Luka Modric and defender being Virgil van Dijk. But, so that makes up that team. But Neymar's Brazilian. Ah, uh-huh, and they speak Portuguese. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So we've got Van Dijk, Modric and Neymar against... They are going against Carnival de Samba. You know, like, all good fun there. Um, that team comprises off uh, Marcelo as the kind of defender, uh, Paul Pogba and Eden Hazard. So these are the and these are the good fun bunch in your own words. These are, these are the kind of guys that got a bit more kind of swagger. Uh, particularly Marcelo. Oh, be cool. Like, well, to be fair, like, the biggest thing with Carnival de Samba is that you've got both... Marcelo and Paul Pogba. We'll go with okay, that. We'll go so with you're in for the dancing, right? We'll go with that. So you take the two teams. Uh, who do you think would kind of win out of that in a kind of cage match? Modric, Neymar, and Van Dijk. Van Dijk is your centre back or your defender yeah. in the circumstance. Mm-hmm. Well, bear in mind, you know, Van Dijk's. In a three-on-three match, you're not going to be playing this on a full eleven-size pitch. This is quite small. This is you get to be quite nah, nimble, you're quite looking, agile. This is, you're, you're basically playing this in the cages at Oakview, you know. Like, oh, that that'll um, really hit home with our listeners, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, everybody kind of plays like fives. Like this is the kind of thing. Like this is true. Uh, but these kind of like proper kind of like these kind of players on that kind of pitch, like. I mean, I think you're looking at. Do you really want kind of do you want a, a team that's kind of full like defenders, or do you look at a team that's kind of like more kind of like skillful? Um, that you kind of get like Marcelo, Pogba, and uh, Eden Hazard, or you're looking for a bit more kind of blue, like kind of brunt force, really, with certainly with Van Dyke as your kind of defender. Uh, you know, looking at Luka Modric as the kind of playmaker in that team, and obviously Neymar's just got all the skills. See, I would, I'd be inclined to side with us, Leos or Leos or Lois. I can't remember what he said. Um, because Modric again would fulfil your sort of Latape role, like you know he doesn't move very much, but he can like flick it at impossible angles. He could bounce it off. He's like a, do they call him a magician or a mathematician? I feel somewhere he's 
called? A mathematician. A mathematician. Like he's calculating. He's looking at all the angles. Yeah, he's looking at all the passes. <laughs> like he can see these things in his head. Um, I mean, Neymar's just Neymar. He'd be abs- having an absolute laugh. And Van Dyke is in JD Sports adverts, which means he's cool and urban and therefore would be good at indoor football like this. Very kind of hipster. Yes, because people that shop at JD Sports are cool. Buy your football shorts there now. Yeah, I mean, when I put them together, I, mean, I tend to agree. I mean, I think, um, I think Marcelo has always had such a fantastic career and he is that kind of player as well. I mean, like all Brazilians are like that. It's the kind of futsal. Mm-hmm. Uh, type of players I'd love to see him playing like the 10 and 60s I think that would be funny as anything um, if that ever came back well, like, <laughs> just like, a, like, a, like, a, like they used to do like the Masters tournaments yeah um, do you remember like, like Marcelo eventually will end up in that kind of thing did they not do um, like beach football at the Brazilian Olympics a few years back I'm sure yeah. there's like um, beach futsal and stuff like that it's brilliant to watch it'd be great to see if that if that was the European Super League I'd be tuned in this is where they've gone wrong in the format is it should be just three on three like this yeah, but I think even like the goalkeeping rules are weird in that. Like they don't really play as goalkeepers. There's no gloves, and then it's weird. Well, it's football, Andrew. It'd be silly to use your hands. Oh yeah, well, ah, you've got goalkeepers. <laughs> that's what it says. Yeah, but that like, it's like high school. It's just like school rules. Just like any money. Just I <laughs> <laughs> whoever's closest. <laughs> Aye, that that rule was always a bit controversial. Um. Oh, I've just I've just put away the document. I do think though that um, Pogba and Hazard are very interesting candidates for our twins that could switch places with their other siblings because Paul Pogba notoriously related to Matthias Pogba. Matthias. Now, can you imagine Paul Pogba at Partick Thistle during the brief period? Like they, he would in the SPFL. I think he would be a world beater. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, and then like some kind of jobber would wipe him out though after like. All <laughs> he could swap was is he not got another brother? Saint Etienne. Ah, he's a, yeah, he's the better brother. But he well, he's better than Matthias was. Yes, but Matthias was useless. Yes, although what is ironic because that boy Keon played at Partick Thistle for a while, who's Martin Keon's son. Son. Yeah. So he couldn't have wiped wiped out Pogba, but I imagine his dad might have done such a thing. <laughs> Um, and then Eden and Thorgan Hazard as well. Yeah. It's almost actually got to yeah. the point where the two of them have kind of like Thorgan is maybe now slightly the better player than what Eden Hazard is, given that Hazard's just seems to have disappeared. Well, on your notes here, you put <laughs> ignore his real record <laughs> 25 appearances yeah, since 2019. Like, yeah, that's crazy. He's just dropped off the face of the planet. Like, apparently, yeah. so sure it's proper lazy though, like in terms of like. That's what I think John Terry, like in an interview with Talk Sport, said that um, he'd never do anything training, but on a Saturday you just knew what he could do in the space of like, there was always like a 20 minute period where he'd just dominate. But Pogba's a lot like that as well, isn't he? But I think, I can't really tell you a time where I've thought like Pogba really changed, like he's come on and changed games, but he'd never like done it off his own back. But do you remember back to the Chelsea Tottenham game for Leicester win the league? Mm-hmm. And then Tottenham were dominating that and I think Hazard was the only useful Chelsea player in that, but he just turned it on for 20 minutes. He scored, was it two goals? One or two goals, but at least one. Um, and, and again, he it. just dominated. It's, but, I mean, I don't I don't like Pogba personally, but I mean. As a footballer, he's fine, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go for a beer with him. As a, as a person. No. 
<rire> Bonjour, Paul, ça va? Ah, ça va bien, merci. Adoro. You could sing as mad, uh, what was it, the French Euro song? Uh, you ever heard no, that? but can you sing it to us now, Andrew, please? Ooh. Yeah, go it's off a full, rendition of that. It's, no, it's like a full like sort of rap, and then basically it just randomly comes up with different French players. Really? So like you've got like the Kim Pembe bit and, and Golo Kante, and like he just names every single player. That's very clever. But they did like, have you not seen them like walking around the stadium? So like they walk around the stadium, the guy does the rap, and you've got them all dancing. Oh, it's, it's cringy, but I bet it was fantastic in the French. Is it any more cringy than? Um... Uh, I don't know what the rapper is. They got a random guy out of the crowd with Tiago Silva on his back to sing his song for him. Oh, Dave! Got, uh, yeah, horrendous. That is the that, worst thing I've ever that seen. Was good. Imagine, you cannot imagine paying the money to get some random guy out of the crowd to sing your song. It's just you as didn't a pay the guy. The guy was there at the concert wearing the PSG top uh, with Tiago Silva yeah. on the back. You've paid hundreds of pounds to go to Glastonbury and then some random guy comes out of the crowd to sing one like the kind of better songs that this guy's got. In a like, PSG top with Tiago Silva, you name me how many people in the UK have a Tiago yeah. Silva top. Well, not now. I thought you've... Have you not got one? Uh, not that says... Not that's got Tiago Silva on the back. No. So what was it? The song was called... Tiago... Ramen's La Coupe oh. à la Maison by Veggie Dream. That's a very good French accent. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm not French. Hmm. So we've actually got like a fair amount of talking points for all six of these footballers, but not necessarily about their footballing abilities. No, that doesn't matter. That's that's part of the thing. It's just they talk about them. Yeah, but um, well, if you if you put like them up, like do it old-fashioned way, like one v one. So like basically, like they're on each other for the full time. You'll put right. Pogba and Van Dyke. You'll then put probably Modric on Hazard. And then Marcelo and Neymar, because I think every single time that's sort of a 50, 50 well, sixty forty. Is uh, is Marcelo still at Real Madrid? Yeah, he's uh, final cup. season, I think. Because mm. uh, I know Danny Alves is away back to South. Who's replaced Marcelo on the team? Like Mendy. Oh yeah, he likes Mendy. I don't I don't know what the hype of <laughs> Mendy is. Because Man City said he's one of the player. worst. He's one of the best players on FIFA. Like in terms of, if you have any players in FIFA, it's Varane and Mendy. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't played it since FIFA 16 it's... when I snapped the disc. So <laughs> <laughs> I will never ever go back. You probably shouldn't. No, definitely not. I would say it was like wasn't in anger. It was just and that was just disappointment. It's like I know I'm not good at this game anymore. So snap. How could you not do it in anger? You're just so disappointed. Uh, you know no, what? Just... Take this out and snap it. I smashed the controller and then all was left was the disc and then at that point it was just disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> the R2 button was hanging off and the kind of one of the joysticks was a bit kind of mangled but yeah, never mind. There's never so slight dent in the kind of wardrobe that it hit. <laughs> Dear me. Oh well, so I think are you in agreement that Oslios won this week as well, John? Yes, I would definitely go with so that. So they advance to the next round, the next bracket. Next week's one is an interesting one. I've just had a flick down the list. Um, and there'll be a lot to talk about there, that's for sure. For better or for worse. Yeah, I think... That do you want to just give us the, <laughs> the team name. names for next week as opposed to the actual players? Oh, well, I won't disclose it. So um, the first team's called Ragnarok, um, which is in reference to the striker for one of the teams. Okay. And uh, the other one's called Los Paratas because the defender... Uh, in a former life, I am convinced was a pirate. 
I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I yep. see what you're saying. Once, once you know who it is, you'll be like, yeah, definitely. Do you know what? Comment in if you think you know who's John referring to as a pirate, <laughs> essentially. Former defender who looks like a pirate. Like a pirate. <laughs> and the person that he's named uh, Ragnarok after. Sadly, it's not Christopher Iyer, who I do believe is of the calibre to be in this competition. Yeah. Or El <laughs> I know, yeah, a lot of, Nor- lot of Norwegians. They could have made a whole Norway 3 that would have been worth arguing for. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I see my timer ticking over to just over an hour there, so that usually signals full time. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. Next week, we'll be talking more Scottish football. There might be more Falkirk news. Back to league fixtures, uh, looking at the infamous League One split, um, and maybe talking about football forums yet. We've not yet decided. So, so thank you very much for listening from myself, Paul. Just guys, all the best. Thank you. Yeah, don't nod, Andrew. This is an audio podcast as well. That's, that's useless to us. <laughs> um, and have a good evening, a good afternoon, and a good morning. Goodbye. Bye.